welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Next up on the ABCA podcast is our NAIA Junior College Division Three and Division Two preview. Robbie Gutierrez from NAIA Ball and special guest Cumberland head coach Woody Hunt lead us off. After that, we kick it over to Brian Sikowski from Perfect Game and Noah Sharp from the Juco Ball blog to cover all things junior college baseball. Then we hand it over to Jordan Schusterman and Jake Mintz from Cespedes Family Barbecue fame and the D3 Baseball Podcast to talk all things D3. Finally, we finish up with Nick Herford, Perfect Game Small College Specialist, to preview the D3 and D2 seasons. This is the best time of the year with seasons already kicking off and seasons getting ready to start. Let's welcome everyone to the podcast. Here with Robbie Gutierrez from at NAIA Ball and special guest Woody Hunt from Cumberland. Coach, thanks for jumping on. Robbie, thanks for jumping on with me. Well, uh, thank you. If it wasn't for my assistant, I wouldn't have been able to get on this thing, but uh, technology is way beyond me. Uh, all right, Coach Hunt, I struggle a little bit also. We're, we're all, we're all going to get there, all right? Yeah. <laughs> Robbie, do you have any co- Coach Hunt stories? Uh, you know what? I met Coach Hunt for the first time about two years ago at ABCA, and um, he was probably the, the sharpest dressed fellow there. I'll tell you that. Uh, he, he was dressed to the nines, and I felt I felt out of place because I was in like sweatpants and an NAI World Series top that I bought in like 2013. And uh, when I was there, and I was like, my goodness, am, am, am I? Do I feel out of place? Uh, but I will say the first time I ever called coach hunt, uh, which basically I was calling him for his blessing for, you know, and everything we do with NAI ball on, on social media and, and, uh, the podcast and everything like that. I'll never forget calling coach hunt for the first time, getting his number from Cody, give him a shout. And for some reason, like my heart was like beating out of my chest. Like I felt like I was calling like the godfather, you know, of, of, of NAI baseball and, um, you know, myself as somebody who who played and coached in the NAI was just ecstatic to to get to to talk to Coach Hunt and and you know we're we're, we're so blessed to have you at this division. So that's that's probably my two favorite uh, memories of Coach Hunt was you know getting to meet you in person at, at ABCA in Dallas and then 
uh, you know, getting to call you. And, and basically that's basically what that whole call was for was just for your blessing. And uh, that, that went real well. So we're, we're glad we, we have you on board with us at NAI ball and, and a fan of what we're doing. And this has been a good 10 months for me because with COVID, I got a chance to interview Coach Hunt and, and Ryan and Scott for the father and son episode. And then this fall, he actually came over and spoke at our Barnstormers event. And then um, actually Coach Sheets did at episode 25. So if you want to dig back into the archives here with the ABCA website, you can get a lot of Coach Hunt. So Coach Hunt, thanks for joining us. It was just kind of worked out yesterday with the announcement, with the retirement announcement. And I know you said it's been a little bit of a zoo, but how are you feeling about everything? I mean, I don't think you can probably do any more in the game, but how are you feeling right now about everything? Well, I'm relieved. Uh, first of all, it's been a lot of speculation and a lot of, uh, on, on my part, just a lot of thought process over the last year, or even two years. And I knew this was coming and um, I've had a lot of good meetings with my president and our athletic director. And they wanted me to announce that if I was going to retire to do it before the season. And, and so uh, this was the only time that uh, before the opening game, in fact. And so this week was basically the only time I could do it because we play next week, hopefully, but COVID issues may be taking a toll on us there. But so we, we decided to do it. And then I got, I came down with a COVID and, Basically, yesterday was my first day back and had to make the announcement. But I, I feel relieved. I knew it was the right decision. It's time, and I understand that. It's hard to walk away from the game, but at the same time, I feel a sense of uh, just for, of thankfulness and uh, uh, so proud of Cumberland University and our baseball program. And, you know, it's not about coaches. It's about players, and that's what I want to be this spring is about them and just want to have a good time and, just want to play a schedule and have, let these young fellows have a have a last go at it and see what happens. Did you get most of your guys back from last year? And and how was it last spring when you had to tell the guys that the season was finished? Well, it was tough. We uh, we we were getting ready to go to Georgetown, Kentucky, and uh, we were uh, the bus was on the way, and we they got called by the conference and said not to go. Uh, and so that weekend was canceled. Uh, so we gave the team off and I said, I'll see you on Tuesday. And, uh, and between that day and Tuesday, they had canceled the season. So I didn't get a chance to send the guys who just stayed home. You know, they may have came, some of them came back, got their stuff. And, and so I never got a really chance to meet with our whole team uh, because of that. And it was very difficult. Um, uh, it was basically going to play a very key conference matchup to losing our season in one weekend. And, and Rob, it was very, very difficult for the players. Robbie and I were talking before you jumped on with us, Coach. So he's excited about the season just with the amount of talent that is is back for everybody. And, Robbie, can you talk a little bit about the top 25 and what you've got going on with that right now? Absolutely. I mean, it all starts at the top. Uh, you look at Southeastern and, and who they've got coming into the season and, and what Adrian Dinkle has built there. 26-1 uh, and one last year before the, the cancellation of the season – and they just got stronger. I mean, it, they did. They just got better. I, I want to say they're bringing in something like five plus SEC transfers. Uh, they're they're definitely on the recruiting end. They're they're tops in the nation right now, and who they're bringing in. Uh, so they're number one currently. Number two, Science and Arts of Oklahoma. They're losing a big piece in Matt Merrill. Uh, we Matt Merrill is a guy that that would bring the ball in the '90s, upper '90s. 
But, I mean, it's great to see him get the opportunity to go and play professional baseball for the Washington Nationals. So you can't ever – it's like Coach Hunt said, it's, it's not about coaches, it's about players. You can't ever complain about a kid getting that opportunity to go and play pro baseball and represent the NAI at that level. Uh, George Gwinnett stacked, as, as always, returning a lot, bringing in some guys that, that are coming back from a 23-2 and two season. St. Thomas, pitching-wise, I think this could be one of the deeper – programs that they've had pitching wise and that's tough to say from a, a team that's played for a national championship just a few years ago uh that had a really deep pitching staff i told you before this uh anytime you talk to billy barry you feel really really good about what they've got coming off of that uh you know and so they're returning some really good players from that not just well they're still reigning national champs i mean you get a you are. get a covid shortened season they are still the reigning national champs they are, you know, and, and you're you're talking about a, a, a team with guys like Gary Mattis Jr. who are going to be big pieces of that lineup and players who are on that national championship team that are coming back and really representing. The, the top 25, 1 through 25, I think is pretty solid, you know, for one of the rarities that you have is, is LC State, uh, you know, down in the 24 marker, you know, and towards the, towards the end. I think there's going to be a lot of competition this year. I want to see what Denny Crayball has at Oklahoma City. That's a team that every single year is going to hit. Uh, I picked Cross Factor as as my potential player, national player of the year. They're missing a kid in Tyler Williams that that was a big part of their lineup. But Cross Factor is a guy that can hit for power. He's going to hit for average. He stepped up last year. It's uh, they're going to have Gunnar Halter. I don't know where they're going to have Gunnar Halter hit, whether in front or behind him. Uh, and it's really pick your poison. At, at Oklahoma City, who do you want to face? I know that firsthand, unfortunately, from being there in Jim Wade Stadium. Uh, you know, so I'm really interested to see who Denny Crayball is going to come in. Ben Real over at IU Southeast, they went 18 and one last year. Uh, they're just getting back on the field as of this earlier this week to start playing ball again. Uh, so some teams have really started playing already. Uh, we've got a really good one happening uh, tonight while we're recording this, but Venue Mesa taking on Taylor out of Indiana. Uh, thrilled that we can get some of those cross national matchups, you know, uh, even with everything going on in the world with COVID and, and everything like that. Uh, I think Taylor's going to be a team to watch that, you know, if they can keep everything together, they beat Arizona Christian last night. Um, they play a tougher schedule. If they keep everything together, that will be in what feels like for in the NAI, we, we don't do our next poll for like another 60 days, uh, but can be a team that'll be in there into that top 25. I think Weber International, despite losing to Kaiser in the midweek, uh, has a lot of talent that they've brought in. Campbellsville is a team that if they can uh, hit the ball, if they can bring in runs and support that pitching staff, will also be a threat. Uh, that's another team that's on the outside looking in. Coach Hunt, did you feel like you were able to get everything in this fall? I know when I saw you at, at Belmont, um, things were going okay. Did you feel like you were able to get everything in this fall that you needed to? Uh, no, we, we did not. We, we got enough in to know that we can be a competitive team. And it was just a small group uh, practice sessions and inner squads the best you can and trying to be safe throughout the whole fall was had an effect on, on everybody really. But we, we had a good attitude about it and we got our work in. And then we went, we left in, in Thanksgiving and didn't come back till January the 11th. Uh, we had a shortened uh, semester. They, we didn't have the fall break and all that. So we, they would get all the class, classes in that short uh, up to Thanksgiving. So, you know, we, we didn't do all we wanted to do, but we, I think we did enough to know. And we, were, we added a few pieces also that, that's really going to help us out. And 
we feel pretty good about our club right now. And just, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, the, the rankings are, are what it is. Those guys that, uh, that, that were mentioned are, are really, uh, really, uh, maybe another level, but there's going to be some sleeper teams. I really believe this year. And, you know, I'm, you know, one of my best teams I've ever had. Uh, and I, one of the best teams I've ever seen at any high level was our, I don't think we were ranked that year and we just kept crawling up and, and won it all. And, uh, it's just, you know, uh, a lot of teams have a lot to prove. Uh, I'll think a lot of teams will have to deal with the COVID, uh, the consistency of play would be a big factor because maybe a lack of practice time that they haven't had, uh, and unusual practice times and cancellation of games and, and all that, all these things are going to be a factor. So it may be the team that's got the best mental makeup that will come out on top and have a good season. But I really believe besides those teams that were mentioned, there's going to be some teams that that's going to sneak up on some people. Well, coach, this is your 43 43rd year. Have you ever had to deal with anything like this at all? No, it, it's, uh, and, and not only us, it's the whole country and the whole world, really. It's uh, such an unusual time. And anybody that's alive has never seen anything like this. Uh, and it's, uh, it's just to, to come to the, you got to be able to deal with it or else you lose your mind. You know, uh, we just going to quarantine as, as they come up and we're going to play our games if we can, if we cancel, we'll try to make them up. And so you got to be able to be adaptable. And that's what we're, that's our mindset. Don't let anything bother you. Just be adaptable and go to the next day. Are you doing anything with your different with your pitching staff than what you normally would from a management standpoint? Well, our pitching staff was quarantined for 10 days and Monday they, they had three days of practice <laughs> and then we had the whole staff quarantined till this past Monday. And so they've been working out on their own. Uh, we couldn't, they couldn't get in the facility. Uh, they've been out in the, in the, in the fields uh, where they could go to work out. We couldn't be with them. And we were trying to, we were trying to follow the protocol and not, not break any rules. And it's what we did. But Monday was the first day that we had our pitching staff together since the first day, first three days of practice. So it's been a very unusual time. And, and now we've, we're dealing with COVID issues again this week. And uh, like I say, we're, we're not trying to be disheartening about it. Just kind of go, just deal with it and keep going. Well, at least be grateful that you're getting an opportunity to play as well. Robbie, we talked a little bit before. Um, what are some of these early tournaments? I know the Coach Calderon tournament that's coming up, and you mentioned the Southeast Bash. What, you know, can you preview a little bit of those tournaments? Yeah, there, there's going to be some really good tournaments going on right now happening. We've got the Coach Calderon Invitational. It's got College of Idaho, Taylor, Midland, Arizona Christian, uh, Benue Mesa, Oklahoma Panhandle State, uh, Ottawa, Arizona, St. Catharines out of California, which uh, I believe this is their first year of eligibility for postseason. In San Diego Christian, you already had uh, two games played yesterday, you know, and so you had Midland uh, fell to College of Idaho in a barn burner 13-12, and then you had uh, Taylor defeat Arizona Christian 6-3 with, with that one. So there's going to be a lot of good games the next couple of days, today and tomorrow. There was some rain in the forecast, so they were kind of moving uh, tournament schedules around as if there's not enough to deal with already uh, you know the rain in the forecast never helps anybody georgia gwinnett next weekend is going to be hosting brian cumberland's out of kentucky and st thomas that's going to be a really good little 
uh, round robin type of a matchup. And then one that I'm really excited for is the next weekend after that, going all the way into February 11th is Campbellsville, Faulkner, Georgetown, Missouri Baptist, Taylor, Reinhardt, Tennessee Wesley, and George Gwinnett. I, I might be missing a team or two, but that is a big time tournament in the Southeast Rumble. Uh, I think there's going to be some really good teams that's going to be played at two different sites, whether it be uh, Georgia Gwinnett or Reinhardt, both of them with, with really nice fields and facilities and, and you know, programs that, that take care of their, their stuff. So it's going to be really good to, to see that. And I'm, I'm excited. We're going to get some heavyweight uh, NAI baseball, you know, going early on in the season. And then, you know, like Coach Hunt said, there's going to be some sleepers out there. Uh, you know, there's going to be some sleepers out there. And you can't, you know, to his point, you can't count out Coach Hunt and Cumberland out there. Uh, looking over, I, I was looking over what we got from them. I mean, Josh Morgan's coming back. You know, he hit 415 last year. Daniel Alvarez, Alvarez coming back as well. Cal State Fullerton transfer. But then, you know, I was looking over his, his newcomers. And you've got a couple of Embry-Riddle kids, you know, uh, in Peyton Rice and, and Connor Dunham coming in. So there's going to be some good players. He's got some D1 transfers as well from East Tennessee State, Ball State, and then some good uh, junior college players as well from uh, Dyersburg State's, uh, you know, that's that's not a, a JUCO that's taken lightly around those parts. So uh, there's going to be some teams that are, that are going to be really good this year that we haven't seen those newcomers come in mixed with those returners and are going to be uh, teams that can jump up and bite some people. Robbie, uh, talk about the preseason All-American team a little bit here. Who? Are, what are some other names that we need to pay attention to this spring? Oh, there's a ton. I mean, obviously the first name that comes to mind is is what has probably been the best pitcher in the NAI for for basically going on four years almost, and that's that's Colton Williams at uh, University of Science and Arts at Oklahoma. Colton Williams has been outstanding. I could dive into his numbers all day and, and make the case for him, but there's a reason why he was National Pitcher of the Year. There's a reason why he's constantly on the All-American list. And the, the scary part is he just continues to get better. I had a coach call me yesterday, and they said that uh, their first scouting report on him a few years ago had him 86 to 88, and their current scouting report has him 93, 94. Uh, that's that's how it should work, right, Coach Hunt? That's how it should work, right? You get them as a freshman, and they're 84, and then by the time they're junior, senior, they're 94? Yeah, that's great development right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mike, Mike Ross and, and his staff, you know, have done an incredible job with pitching. It feels like USAO, even though they're missing Matt Merrill, uh, being able to plug Gene Moutonaire in there and then whoever they're bringing in as well. Uh, I'm not concerned about Mike Ross and USAO and the type of season they're going to have because they're anchored by Colton Williams. Uh, USAO has got two players on this list in uh, uh, Luis Palau also, who's probably the top, one of the top offensive and defensive arms uh, in the nation playing in, in, in the outfield. He's a guy that literally we saw him, Cody saw him last year, throw a guy out on the bases, hit a home run, and then throw another guy out the next inning, you know, so somebody that's going to go out there, hit for power, and then help you out with some off-field assists. Uh, outfield assists as well. Uh, Trevor Johnson and Andres Ugarte behind the plate. Uh, one from Reinhardt that, that's going to put up, they're both going to put up some really good pop, really good average numbers. Uh, Sam Faith at Southeastern University is going to be a, a big name to watch also. That's a guy that I think at, at the end of the year when we're talking about uh, potential draft picks, when we're talking about uh, UDFA, undrafted free agent signings, Sam Faith is, is a name that we're going to be paying a lot of attention to. Josh Sears has been on this list time and time again. He's, he's built like a defensive lineman, hits the ball a long way for Freed Hardeman, does a really good job there. Uh, Luis Vargas was 
on pace to really break some records uh, was, was in a race to break the NAI home run record last season. And unfortunately that year was cut short. Uh, so I'm excited to get him back at Wayland Baptist, but probably the most under the radar all American uh, superstar that we've had is, is Michael Slayton at, at Benedictine in Kansas, a guy that uh, is hitting like 430 for his career. Uh, has been there. He, he's battled with some injuries. He's dealt with some injuries, but has constantly produced for for Benedictine. And so he's back. He's going to be a big name. Uh, there were some guys left off that I thought deserved it uh, to be all Americans. Uh, you know, just just off the top of my head, uh, Ben Harris over at Bruton Parker actually, you know, was a really good pitcher last season as a true freshman. And that's, that's hard to do as a true freshman and come into college and be dominant the way he was with us, you know, an ERA sitting around the ones and being able to, to compete like that uh, for just the entire season, no, no matter how many games he got to, he got to play, being able to come in and, and do what he did with his, with his ERA, which was below one, it was 0.75. Uh, another guy that I thought, really got left off with was Kenny Otero uh, at Central Methodist who had a, a 0.79 ERA and then reliever wise uh, Jose Diaz was top closer in the nation I saw him in person last year mid 90s you know fastball that can touch in the mid 90s big time breaker uh, and then he's going to go out there and play in the outfield and, and hit 300 this season for them as well but Greg Blackman from Lewis Clark State is he's not their closer He's a guy that comes into the game, stops the pain if they have any. Uh, 0.41 ERA in eight appearances, all of them straight out of the bullpen. So there's a lot of talent around the nation. There's a lot of talent coming back around the nation. I think this is going to be one of the um, best talent years overall that we're going to have, at least since I've been doing this. I, I know uh, in, in Coach Hunt's time and, and maybe when I was uh, younger, I've heard some of the horror stories <laughs> from Northwood back in the day of having to play some teams, you know, but, uh, uh, and especially bef in, before the, uh, the BB core era and the BESR era. So I, I've heard all sorts of things, but uh, I think in, in this era from, since 2010, this is going to be one of the best talent years we've had. Coach Hunt, what advice do you have for the young coaches out there right now? You told a story on the father and son episode about your team getting into a, a fight in the dugout, which was a phenomenal story. But what advice do you have for coaches listening in right now for the season? Well, I think that with this COVID and so many issues that we're dealing with, keep it simple. Play ball. There's so much information out there. Uh, and I think that that we can give our players, but I think we have to simplify things because the main thing is getting on the field. Uh, these kids have been through a lot uh, their mental. My players have just been wonderful through all this. They want to play ball. Uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure they're concerned about their rap pseudo readings. We have that and, and those types of things. So my approach in my last year is make it simple, have fun and compete and compete with all you got and not to crowd their plate too much. You know, our main objective is to get on the bus to play and play, play the game. And that's to me, I, I would say simplify things, let these kids play and have fun. They need, they need a break from, 
from all this COVID stuff. They need to get on the field. Coach, I'm happy for you because you're getting to kind of ride out how you want to ride out. We don't, we all don't get to do that in, in coaching, and you kind of get to end this thing how you want. So what are you really looking forward to the most this year? Well, uh, basically to get on the field again, Ryan. It's uh, the miss it so bad. And, you know, this is my last year, and I, I don't regret the decision. Uh, I know it's time. I have, have been blessed uh, for so many years, uh, and it's been overwhelming response I've gotten in the last day or two, but I just want to have fun with my players. I want to, I want to be able to coach free and easy. If that means they're chewing out, I'll just chew them out. If that means patting them on the back, I'll pat them on the back, but I just want to play ball, you know, again, you know, and to see how it feels to play ball. Uh, it, it seems like it's been a long time ago that we haven't been able to play and, but I'm just going to have fun with it. Uh, you know, it's not life and death with you win a ball game or not. I want these kids to have a, a wonderful experience. And that's my number one goal. Robbie, you're an NAI lifer. Do you have a question for Coach Hunt? You know, I, I don't know if it's a, it's a question, but more of a more of a thank you, Coach. Uh, you know, we can sit here and talk about you being third and in the win column all time and, and sitting behind Gordy Gillespie and Ed Chef and all that. But, you know, from from a perspective of – Cody and I, our goal at the end of the day is to grow this sport and it's to give this sport the attention that it deserves uh, as two guys who, who played and, and were around constantly NAI baseball. And nobody's done that more in a sense than you. Uh, there's guys out there who have been around the game for a long time. There's guys out there who are, or who are transactional coaches. There's guys act out there who, you know, are, are coaches for different reasons, but there's a reason why you've been around for, for as long as you have, there's a reason why, you know, former players tell me about you. There's a reason why guys come back to visit you and, and everything like that. And so you're the, you're, you're really the picture of what we want to be at the end of the day, not just as, as a, a baseball media brand or somebody who's trying to grow the game, but as men at the end of the day, as somebody who, who does, does things the right way. Uh, I played for Jeremy Kennedy and Robert Garza. And uh, back at Northwood back in the day, I know you've made some trips down that way uh, to Cedar Hill, Texas in your time. And, and you know, um, at the, you know, at the end of the day, they, they always taught us, you know, be a good man, do the right thing and just do more for others than you do for yourself. Be part of something bigger than yourself. And I feel like you've embodied that in your programs for a long time and there's a reason why you found that success and it's getting people to buy into the process and getting people to buy in to being part of something bigger than themselves and I know that you're going to get a lot of thank yous I know your phone's been blowing up uh, left and right but uh, at the end of the day you know it's, it's more than a question it's more of just a, a, a thank you I don't know when I'll be I'll be out in Tennessee at some point you know uh, when, when things are a little bit slowed down so uh, I just wanted to, well, I've got you here on, on, on the call and on the show. Just wanted to give you a, a thank you from, from both Cody and I and, and our intern, Connor, and everybody over at, at NAI Ball that, that helps and supports us. Yep, and I, uh, Coach, I got a reason to come see you now. So I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to come see you this spring. 2013 ABCA Hall of Famer. So, Coach, thank you for everything. This was a great surprise. It just kind of worked out that Robbie and I were going to record today and you announced, it yet, announced yesterday. So this was a great surprise. So thank you both for, for jumping on with me. And, Coach Hunt, you want to take us out with, with one thing for everybody? 
Well, I just, I'm thankful for the NEIA and it, it's made me who I am. And I was a junior college coach for two years. We made the transition to, to the NEIA uh, and we had to spend two years. We couldn't play for any championships. And, but the NEIA has been a great organization. I just hope that, you know, we, uh, uh, NEIA is getting more exposure now than ever before. And I think it's crazy. guys like you all have done that. And just, I'll just build on the positive things we, we, we have going for us. You know, NEI is NEI, but we ought to be proud of our product. Uh, a few years ago, uh, there was a, uh, some type of Twitter, uh, whatever came out, and players were criticizing the NEI. And this is, you know, this is how it is to play in NEI. And I got upset about that. I said, why do people keep dragging down the NEI, you players? Be, be, be proud of who you are and promote that. And I'm just so thankful that you guys are really promoting the game especially NEI. It's a good level, good people here. I have Gordy Gillespie, Ed Shev, Ken Dugan, the list goes on and on and on that I've met and been able to coach against. And I'm just a, a better person because of NEI baseball. And I just want to, you know, I'm not going to be not involved with NEI. I'm still going to be involved. I just want to be coaching the team. I'm, it's my, my time is up and I realize that I've been blessed beyond measure. I have no regrets. I have had many, many experiences that are beyond description, and I'm just so thankful. Well, don't you need to be grateful for just getting an opportunity to play college baseball somewhere? It doesn't matter what level. All levels are good. Shouldn't you be grateful for getting that opportunity to play at any level of college? That's right. College baseball is great now. There's a lot of exposure out there. You know, kids get wrapped up, and I hate to say it, in a Division One uh, uh, label, and I'm all for that. If you can go Division One, go. But don't overlook junior colleges or NAIA Division two, there's, it's all good. You know, it's, it's about the experiences you have at, at your playing experience and at your school and your coaches. Then you go from there, you build your life around that. And that's, uh, it, it becomes a wonderful experience if you look at the right way. Robbie, what, what else can people be looking for at NAIA ball? You know what? We, we've got, we grow bigger and bigger every year. Uh, last year we were, uh, for the first time on this podcast, uh, we were for the first time in baseball America uh, which was just a thrill for us uh, at NAI ball on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us. We've got new graphics, uh, more and more content being pumped out every single day. We're going to keep you up with all the scores, stats, news, information from around the country, constantly 24 seven. Cody doesn't sleep, I think. So he's we'll, constantly, we'll do a mid season report. I hold it. Yeah, COVID we, ruined the mid season report last year, but we'll, we'll check back in April and, and hopefully we'll get both of you guys back on Hopefully you're undefeated at that point, coach hunt. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you, guys. Have a great day. We're just playing. I'm happy about that. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. All right. Here with Brian Sikowski, National Scouting Supervisor for Perfect Game USA, MLB Draft, JUCO. You dabble in on, on everything, though. So, Brian, thanks for, for jumping on with me. Thanks for having me on, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, you have put a ton of information out already. Just saw the uh, top 100 prospects, um, uh, top 300 prospects, sorry, and then um, the top 50 JUCO programs. So you've done a ton of work already. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's an annual uh, passion project slash labor of love that uh, a lot of work goes into. And it's, uh, it's not just me. I have a lot of help on that with guys I work with and um, yeah, happy to get it out and happy with the work we did, but I'm definitely ready for baseball to be played now and not talked about. Yeah, and just in, in talking to everybody, do you feel like everybody's full strength right now? 
Yeah, everybody seems to be like, uh, you know, like if you're playing an old video game and you get like a, a boost or whatever and it shoots you up to 120% health, that's kind of what everybody feels like now because everybody got good players in but also got some guys back they probably shouldn't have or wouldn't have in a normal year. So everybody, it's uh, Juco baseball might be the, the best top to bottom it's ever been this year just as a result of that. It's wild to think about, and you have the, you know, how many third-year guys are going at it this year, too. It's almost like a mini four-year deal going on at the JUCO level now. Yeah, and with the NJCAA saying that this year doesn't count either, uh, you know, uh, the, the a lot of the JUCO coaches I've talked to have joked, like, we're going to turn into a four-year school. And that's, that's just reality. <laughs> yeah. And I, that that's one of the storylines that I'm intrigued to see play out at the end of the year, because if they all get a year in, you know, what will the NCAA do? You know, are they going to honor that like they did last year, which they needed to with COVID. They had to honor that year mm-hmm. back for everybody. But if, if the JUCOs get a whole year in, will the NCAA really honor another year for those guys? Interesting to see how that shakes out. Yeah, I, it's going to create, um, I mean, it already has created you know, quite a log jam of players just in terms of adding a whole other grad class on top of one that lost 15% of what it normally would lose. So I, it's going to be interesting. I, I think there'll be more Juco baseball. I think there'll be, um, you know, the NCAA potentially approving that one-time transfer deal, uh, you know, with no sitting out. That's going to be kind of free agency-ish this yeah. summer. Uh, so it's going to be, I don't know, man, like we, to be honest with you, we like totally abandoned even trying to keep track of eligibility as far as like what guys are called, you know, exactly. every year we'll, every year we'll do like a top 100 by class, right? Like seniors, juniors, blah, blah, blah. This year it was okay. How many years has it been since they left high school? Like that's how we're going to classify it. Cause we didn't know any other way and it might even get weirder than that. So there's just, there is a lot, lot, lot going on. Um, I'm just going to kind of rifle off the top 25 here. Um, College of Southern Nevada, Wabash Valley, Central Arizona, McLennan, Crowder, Grayson, LSU Eunice, Northwest Florida State, Walter State, Chipola, Eastern Oklahoma State, College of Central Florida, John Logan, San Jacinto, Johnson County, Pearl River, Iowa Western, Cowley, Florida Southwestern, State College of Florida, Chattahoochee Valley, Jefferson College, Parkland, Yavapai, and Kirkwood. And I, I talked about that with you last year. I love the fact that you don't you don't parcel it out between the the one, twos, and threes. Um, can you kind of go in on that a little bit? Just the the thought process with throwing everybody in together. Yeah. And it's twofold, man. Like, and part of it's selfish, you know, part of it is I just, I don't have time, yep. you know, with, with all the other responsibilities, I don't have time to do full previews of D1, D2, D3, Cali, the NWAC, you know, and, and know all of the players in each division. Like I just, it, it's impossible. Um, so we, we like to, and then on the other side of that, we do believe in the way we do it. It's not just a, you know, time thing. It's um, I want to know who the best is. And I don't care what classification that is like. And it's the same kind of at the high school level. You know, it's the best team in the biggest classification in any given state is not necessarily the best team in the state. And so I think there's a little discredit that's given incidentally or otherwise to D2 or D3 or whatever at the JUCO level. And uh, I think our poll kind of mitigates that. 
if LSU Eunice runs the table and goes undefeated and wins the D2 World Series, they will be the number one team in the country at the end of the year. I do not care that they're D2. Exactly. And that's kind of that's kind of what we want it to be. Yep, for sure. Now, anybody get really healthy over the break? I mean, I know there might have been some bounce backs, or was everybody pretty much set um, through their fall rosters? Yeah, there were some some transfers here and there. There weren't nearly as many as I expected. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with what we talked about already with the the four year to four year one time approval looking like it's going to be a thing. Um, I think a lot of kids just said, "Hey, might as well live the D one life here for a semester instead of uh, and like ride the bench instead, instead of go to a yeah G-Pro for sure." I mean, it's not like there's. <laughs> You know, those rosters are, are stout at the JC level now, too. So it's like you really don't have anywhere to go. So you might as well just try to ride it out and, and see how things play out, which isn't a bad thing either. Um, you know, forcing kids to kind of be where they're at. That's not a tough thing. You know, bad thing either, because sometimes after the fall and then what happens in the spring are, are two completely different things with injuries mm-hmm. and lack of performance. So sometimes that the grass seems like it's greener, but then you get through a spring and it's like, okay, I maybe should have stayed where I was mm-hmm. at because something might've sh- shook out in my favor. And I think, I think there's an element of D you know, four year coaches, not just necessarily D one, but four year coaches keeping some guys they might have otherwise, you know, had difficult conversations with at the break. Because what, you know, what if eight guys got a quarantine for two weeks in March or something? Yes. You know, you need, you need the depth this year more than ever, potentially. And even if a guy who is a, is a COVID freshman who you don't see competing for you in the next couple of years. So in a normal year, you'd say, Hey man, Juco is probably the best option for you. Um, maybe that guy's going to have to play second base for 12 games this spring. You know what I mean? So we'll see. But I think that might have been a part of it, at least. What did you see last year with the shortened season? I mean, that that kind of allowed you to maybe put the top 25 together this year. I know it's hard, but what did you see in a short stint last year that that lines that up for you this year? Well, it was a lot of it is is what guys brought back. Um, guys who were loud in a shortened stint and versus where they are now. Uh, Grayson is a pretty good example of that. I, I thought that Shea Hardis was one of the best Juco prospects in the, in the nation last year. I actually saw him pitch um, the, my literal last day on the road before the world ended. So um, him coming back, you know, being the ace at Grayson, they have a really talented team, obviously, but that's one of those things where it's like, kind of a familiarity factor. Like I know this guy's a dude. I know this guy can beat anybody he goes up against. Grayson's going to be really good. I'm confident in in juicing them up the rankings a little bit. CSN is another example of that, man. They have a ton of third year guys, guys who have been around guys who have been on the Juco list for years already. Uh, Cuevas is is a name there. Dax fellows is a name there. Like these guys are all returners. These guys are all uh, guys who wouldn't be there this year. And and coach Garitano talked about that in in our preseason interview with him. Like, Hey, even if the draft is 10 rounds last year, we don't have Johnny Cuevas and we don't have Josh Swales, who, who's a freshman there. And that's in and of itself, they're loaded. They deserve to be number one, but, but the whys are fascinating because both of those guys, are they're three years apart, but they, they both wouldn't have been there otherwise. Does the shortened draft affect junior college baseball at all going forward? You know, say they, they limited it to 10. Does that affect Juco baseball in any way going forward? Because that was kind of a place where guys would go, maybe, okay, I'm a 20th, 30th rounder. Does that affect Juco recruiting at all? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think that there's uh, 
in the years I've been kind of covering the draft and JUCO simultaneously, it's been right around 100, 105 JUCO players get drafted every year in a 40-year draft. And not all of them sign and, and this, that, the other thing. We, we understand that. But the vast majority of those picks are after round 10. And that's not to say that, you know, kids aren't going to sign free agent deals like we saw this past year. But then you're also kind of screwing the kid because maybe he was going to be cheap in the 21st round, but cheap for 80 is is a little different than cheap for 20. Yeah, for so sure. So, you know, sure. you're screwing those kids over a little bit. And, uh, so, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I think it'll be heavily affected. What other players are you excited about watching? Uh, man, we we uh, there's a couple arms at Eastern Oklahoma State that we have up really high on the board. That's a, a big reason why they're you know in the in the top eleven. Um, the McGowan kid there with, with Ricky Tiedemann's our number one. He's at Long Beach. He's a freshman there. But with Cali Juco, like we don't know if they're going to play. Everyone I've talked to out there kind of says probably not. Um, but the decision has not been made. Uh, so I don't know if we're even going to see him. Uh, aside from scout ball or, or whatever they put together. So number one, then de facto becomes Christian McGowan at Eastern Oklahoma. And he's a Texas tech commit. Generally speaking, if you're committed to Texas tech, you're probably pretty good. Um, and given that it's, it's upper nineties, it's a real breaking ball. He throws a lot of strikes it's up tempo, just power, power stuff. Uh, I think Hunter parks at, at Florence Darlington is a guy who maybe even in a 10 round draft last year is not back at Florence Darlington. Um, I think there would have been an, a chance for that. And uh, Swales and Bo and Cuevas at CSN, that top three is unbelievable. And, and Dayton Dooney at Central Arizona is probably our best bat right now in Juco. I know Harold Calls already made some noise at San Jack. We could go up and down a list, man. But there's a lot of exciting players in Juco this year. Yeah, who has started playing already? It's Florida and like Texas, some parts of Texas. Um, Florida's pretty well underway. I think they all mostly have four or five games in already. Texas is, you know, two or three with a huge weekend coming up this coming weekend. Um, as we record this, that would be the final weekend in January. But yeah, so those two are getting pretty close. I think Mississippi starts up soon. Arizona should be soon. So we're, we're getting ready to go. Uh, this is awesome. And, uh, you know, I do, I, I said it last year, but I do want to have you back like partway through here and, We'll have a lot more answers here, you know, getting into the, the middle of March on how things are shaking out and maybe some some storylines to, to follow for the rest of the season as well. But, I mean, if you had to pick um, of the one, two, and threes, who's going to be the last team standing there at the end of the year? Um, I, I guess we'll go with CSN uh, in D1. I will go with LSU Eunice in D2. They were – like 21 or no last year when the season shut down and brought back their entire team. So like minus like two guys, um, pretty good start there as yeah. far as building a club. And in D three, I will go with, uh, I think, I believe it's Gloucester college now. Yeah. Like it once was Rowan Gloucester, you know, Yep. we'll go with, we'll go with Gloucester for D three. Okay. I won't hold you to any of that. <laughs> I, know I nailed it pre- one time. I know how the preseason stuff works. So, and I don't want to get. I don't want somebody like ripping you after they listen to this and be like, "Brian's wrong." Um, I I have so much respect for the work that our our college sports writers do because you guys are all so passionate about it, and these previews bring that out of you guys, which is amazing to me i'm i'm happy to be at just a small part of all of this i just want to see championships again 
Like that mm-hmm. that's what I'm hoping for is that everybody gets to play and then have an opportunity to go watch some championships here at the end of the year. That's what I'm I'm ultimately hoping for. I'm with you, man. I hope we can just selfishly for me, I hope I can roll like Michigan high school baseball state finals into Grand Junction into Omaha. Like, let's do it, man. <laughs> how how is at cold weather bats going? Yeah, man, we're having fun. Thank you for asking. I love uh, it. I love it. I'm a cold weather person at heart and played and coached in mostly cold weather. So I love the fact that you're shining some light on cold weather bats. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we're uh, we're having fun with it, man. It's it's um, you know, I expected there to be some interest given kind of the the niche of it, but I it's it's going even better than I than I could have anticipated. But man, really excited about it. We're people are responding to it well we're having no no problem getting guests which is something i was kind of worried about so you know man thank you for asking hey do parts of michigan still have one one count dude that's what i coach in the catholic okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was always fascinating to me i don't know does any other state do it for anybody listening that doesn't understand uh, parts of michigan they play one one count uh, and actually had a, a pitcher at Western Illinois, Tom Constan, that actually pitched in a 1-1 count league. So that's why I know a little bit about the 1-1 count. So do any other states do it? I don't know, to be honest with you, man. It would, I would like to hear that, too. If you find out, let me know. From, uh, from your perspective, man, do you enjoy it? Yeah, there's, there's some, uh, you know, like, Yes. The answer is yes. I, I, I do agree that there's some hangups as far as like guys going to then the next level and adjusting. But um, for us, we, we play one, one counts in the Catholic league, but then as soon as we go to, into the state tournament, we play real, you know, regular baseball. And I, I love the the speed of the games. I love the fact that we can conceivably have pitchers throwing complete games on 70, 80 pitches and not hundred and 110. Um, I, I think that's a positive. And as a hitting guy, I like that we have to be aggressive early in counts and we have to hunt fastballs early in counts. And then when we roll in and, and play public schools and in the, the state tournament and that they're kind of used to just getting ahead and we're kind of used to ambushing. So like it usually works out in our favor that way. So yes, I do. I do enjoy it. Well, and Mark Mulder's a one, one count alum, isn't he? I believe so. Yeah. 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 Yep. Cause his, uh, his high school stats were ridiculous. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Old Michigan State alum and then Cardinals pitcher, great lefty. And, it, you know, it doesn't, you know, it just shows that it doesn't really matter if you're good enough, you're good enough. You're going to keep moving up levels regardless of what count you're playing. DJ LeMayhew, 1-1 one, one count alum. That is correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> LeMayhew, I lo- he was one of my favorite recruits. He didn't. He decided to obviously go to LSU, which he still made a mistake. He should have came to Iowa, but we we went hard after DJ LeMayhew. <laughs> Uh, we had a good track <laughs> record. We didn't player. always get we didn't always get them, but we had in that time I was at Iowa. Besides the guys that we got that were good players, but he was one. Michael Bowden, who ended up signing, um, mm-hmm. pitched in the big leagues for a while. We had some Casey Crosby was another really good lefty out of Illinois, mm-hmm. but we had some guys we didn't always get them, uh, but we were getting the right guys to come on campus. So I love following guys that that say no. Even the guy Michael Walker was another one. Mm-hmm. Those are guys that said no to us. But I think you always feel good as a recruiter because you look up and um, and they're playing or pitching in the big leagues at some point too. we so. wanted the guy that became a big league must be doing <laughs> something right like yeah, yeah, yeah kyle gibson kyle gibson was another one who pitched at missouri he's still pitching that um walk and and gibson were in the same class so if that would have made our rotation at iowa pretty good if walk and gibson both <laughs> left. yes so 
How are you enjoying Perfect Game? How are you enjoying working for the company? I love it, man. Um, it's kind of been my whole professional life. Um, I, I was still in college when I first started working for him part time and, and like went back to college to finish my degree, fire up chips, Central Michigan alum. Yep. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's been my whole professional life. I've enjoyed the being a part of like just how like expansive and big the company has gotten and the ways that we're trying to involve tech now and player dev now and, and what we do as evaluators. And, uh, you know, obviously without being said, I, I don't think anybody even holds a candle to, to the ops guys who work for us as far as running events and doing so all over the country with, uh, you know, sometimes skeleton staffs and they still manage to get it done. So I'm, I'm honored to work with those guys. And, and I love the, the scouting group that we have together. And I'm very, very uh, lucky to be there for sure. Yeah, I got to Iowa in 03 and, um, you know, they, they had built, uh, but it's just, it's fascinating to me with mm -hmm. what the Fords have done and what they've built. And I said it multiple times this fall, you know, no matter what you think about Perfect Game, Prep Baseball Report, the baseball world would have come to a standstill uh, this summer if it wasn't for them. And so we all, mm -hmm. we all need to show gratitude to the companies that kept it going here this summer, because without those companies, the amateur baseball world would have fallen off the face of the earth and it allowed kids and, and families to have some normalcy. So when you, when you talk to Jerry, tell him I said hello and um, tell him I'm, I'm thinking about him too. Cause it's just, it's great to see what it's been built up to. I will for sure. Thank you. Yep. And all right, now I'll have you on here halfway point and we'll see, we'll see how your picks are shaking out. Sounds good, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Brian, appreciate everything you do. Keep up the hard work. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me on. Here with Noah Sharp, uh, the Junior College Baseball blog and uh, Juco podcast. And Noah, thanks again for jumping on with me. It was great last year when you are on, so thanks with, with coming on again. Thanks for having me again, Ryan. It was, it was fun last year. Kind of didn't know what to expect, I guess. And then, I mean, yeah. I, I love our me I know I could talk I love our sports writers you guys have done such a good job and I said it last year the college game is in a great place because of all of you guys and the amount of work that you put in with no financial help and you're doing it because you have a passion for it and you love it so I appreciate it and um, I'm really happy to shine some light on all of you guys because I think it helps the game and um, you know, and that way people know where to look. Uh, we have so many great resources out there that are outside of the ABCA that people need to dive into. And it's a great resource. I love looking through it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's funny. I, I always joke around that I failed remedial English twice and, and now I'm doing this as a hobby. So, you know, you never know what happens. I guess baseball, writing baseball makes sense to me. Writing a paper about a book, not so much baseball. Eh, it all makes sense. And I, I just saw you put out uh, like strength of schedule ratings. So can we can we kind of dive in there? I love that piece because I think it tells a much better story with the top twenty five. That like, hey, at each of these the the D one, D two, D threes, like these are the twenty five teams that are playing the hardest schedule out there. Can we dive in on that a little bit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we kind of did our top fifty, and I mean, we have more than top fifty because you know you have your top whatever and okay we're just going to release top 50 and, and then we just kind of went through and just looked at you know who's got who's playing the most top 50 or top 100 and that you know weighted a little bit different and just kind of 
gave it a picture. And this year, I think compared to every year, I mean, you're going to have some travel restrictions. Arizona is only going to really play Arizona, New Mexico, maybe go up to Nevada. Texas sticks around Texas. Florida is kind of the same deal. But with COVID and everything going on, like a lot of the schools in Tennessee can't travel more than, I believe it's four hours. They got to play in-state or four hours there and back. And so that limits a lot of their stuff. And same with some other states up north. I know the northeast, there's some other travel stuff that is kind of it restricts you know who they can play and how many games they can play on top of the weather restrictions that they have so I mean we just kind of were looking at it it's something we always kind of we take note of but we're like you know we did it well I was one of the first things I ever did what three four years ago when I first was starting this I was like oh that was fun but I don't have the time and you know as you grow and learn and oh wait I can put this in a computer and kind of, you know, the computer tells me it. And then I go and look at it to see if anything's different. And I don't know, I've figured out how to make things easier. And it was fun kind of seeing, okay, this team, if they're good and they're playing a really tough schedule. So, you know, chances are, you know, if they keep winning and it's one of those things too, where sometimes I get asked, I know Chris, the guy I do this with, he'll get asked by kids that are trying to commit or like, Hey, where's, where's the best place where I can get seen who has the toughest con I'm like, there's a team. I mean, a prime example is Cleveland County brand new school. I think right by y'all. Yeah. They just played Lenore Ryan in a, in an exhibition game last week. One of my former assistants is an assistant there. So they actually played a, an exhibition game last week, which was awesome. So yeah, I think they just got going, right? Yeah. I think, I think they're either playing today when we're recording or they're playing tomorrow, but they're one where Gene's like, hey, I know we're not going to be the best because it's the first year the program's ever been, but hey, I want to get my name out there. He's always sending me, hey, we're going down to Louisiana next year. We're going to Texas the next year. We're, we're going down to Florida. And some coaches are like, hey, we might not have the best but or be the best team, but hey, at least we're going to get the guys to play them. So someone's going to go play, say, say they're playing LSU week. I think that's happening in a year or two that you know schools are going to go to lsue to look at what what they've got down there well hey they're playing this cleveland team i've never heard of them oh wait who's this kid oh who's that kid and it's kind of i think it it helps grow the kids ask you know hey what's where can i go to get seen it's like anywhere yeah anywhere for sure you're anywhere now seen. people are People are going to find you and with social media anymore. Yes. With social media for even sure. Even crazier. But yes. I don't know. It was, it was something fun. We were kind of, I was needing a break from looking at all of our preseason player rankings. I was like, well, let's just, I'm going to look at this just to kind of give myself a break from looking at names and it, yeah, it came together. The division three was a little bit more difficult because they're a little different, but you know, How hard yeah. was it putting the top 25s together this year? Because obviously a lot of roster, you know, there so many rosters are deep now. You have three-year guys back. So how difficult was it putting the top 25 together for all three levels? For the Division three, it was that one because a lot of those schools are northeast. They're on the East Coast kind of. Then there you got like a clump of Minnesota, then a couple in Texas. And so with those, it was, we know where guys are. We know who kind of came back and it's, a, I mean, it's the same for every level, 
and you know, you have your checks and balances. I know you talked to Brian the other day, but me and him, I don't know if people know this, but not that we copy each other, but if I have a question, it's, hey, I can come to him and like, hey, am I seeing this right? Even, I guess you can see air quotes, we're competitors, but it's, I mean, we're both That's the baseball to, community. But, Everybody tries to help. Uh, I think we all lean on each other. Uh, that's the great thing with the baseball culture is you get help from everybody. There's more than enough room in the pool for all of us, and uh, that's the neat thing about the baseball community. Yeah, and it just – some team, like some coaches we're really good friends with, and we've built those relationships, and it's just, hey, we know if they're getting excited – I mean, you were a coach. Some coaches don't really get excited about what they have and they're real kind of reserved, but, oh, wait, they're like really gravitating to this. Hey, well, then you ask, okay, hey, so a couple other coaches in the region, hey, I'm hearing this from him. I'm hearing this from a couple other people here. Is this kind of lining up? And it, the top, I think when we put ours together, there was two or three teams where like, yeah, they could be number one. Any other year, they would be number one. Or any other year, they'd be a top, 20 well because of the trickle down of talent and people ending up at places you would never expect them to end up at it's gonna be i mean it it was kind of hard but it also wasn't too hard we look at it a little different than brian does and some other people do but once we kind of looked at it we're like any any team at any day could be the number one team any player anywhere could be the number one player in the country. It's just our, you know, our opinion on it. And yeah, it was a couple that we were like, yeah, no, I really, really like these guys. And then Brian's like, yeah, I really, really like these guys. And then we kind of like do that. Like, you know, you stare at each other and you're like, wait a minute, if we're both thinking this, okay, we don't want to be the same, but if we're both this strong on it, maybe, maybe, maybe it's the right call. So D1, who's going to win the national championship? I don't like that question. I just, I, <laughs> I don't like that question just, because and if anyone's listened to like our show or listened to me and Brian talk or, you know, talk to it's the one flaw I find with the junior college, you know, playoff system is the fact that it's so regional yeah. because I mean, looking at our top say 10, you've got, two teams that are from one region that are in the top 10 that are playing for one spot. You have three teams from another region that are all playing for one spot. And then like Florida, only one team's getting out of Florida. So, and they always have talent. And so it's kind of like a, you know, if you can get out of your state or part of the division three is that they have an at large bid. There's seven seeds, and then they have one at-large bid, which every year you're like, I mean, the last national title, the at-large bid won the whole thing. So it's – So, it, so you're going to skirt I, that You're going to skirt that question I then for the D1s, D2s, and D3s. <laughs> it's just – I know the ones I like and the ones like when looking at the schedule and seeing how it just lines up, it's like if Southern Nevada made it to Grand Junction, it wouldn't surprise me because – they're really, really good, and they, they're they kind of regionally, you know, stuck in Nevada. They don't really play anybody until you get to – I mean, they're playing games this weekend. I haven't seen who they've, how they've done, but – and then, like, John A., Iowa Western, and Wabash Valley, they're all playing for one spot. All three 
pitching staffs could go up against any other division of baseball and be trouble for hitters. So it's Grayson's another one. Like if they can get out of Texas, they're good, but they have to go through McLennan. They have to go through the Howards, the Odessa's like, it's, I don't know. It's anything can happen. And that's what makes college baseball fun. Well, and it's going to be interesting to see who can keep everybody healthy, who can keep everybody happy. You have that many guys on your roster. Somebody's going to be unhappy at some point because they're not getting on the field. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the culture piece is going to be important this year and keeping everybody healthy is going to be that that's who's going to withstand it here at the end is whoever can stay healthy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, everybody got out of routine a little bit this fall and probably preseason with COVID. So how do you handle all that and and really who can stay healthy and, and who can keep everybody happy? Yeah, and I think a couple of things with, like, I think a few teams that we really like or, you know, people really think are going to be good. It's, I mean, a few examples, the one off the top of my head is Arizona Western. They did not have any guys on campus this fall. So they're all meeting, really, for the first time outside of Zoom meetings and Skypes and phone calls. They met for the first time three weeks ago, and they're playing games next weekend. Like, that's going like you're going to have the on-field chemistry that's going to just you know except for the guys that were there before but and the pro coordinator just, said that they said the pro coordinator said that instructs was was rough for their guys they hadn't done anything all summer and so that's going to be a big thing with the hitting piece here early is they're going to be further behind the arms than they have been in the past. So how is that hitter going to deal with it when he probably starts out the year for 0 for 15 or 0 for 20 just because you're mm -hmm. not there yet? So the confidence piece is going to play in here early, but that'll all get itself worked out here within a month anyway. Yeah, and it's – I think it's going to be – and, I mean, it's just, there's junior college. That's the big thing we cover, but I just think college baseball is – I had a couple of people, oh, college baseball is going to be down this year. I'm like, you no chance. have not followed it no chance. at all. It's going to be the like, best year ever it's, for every level. It's going to be so much fun. Yes. It's going to be – I know a bunch of D2 guys are excited. A couple of D1 schools that we've done some stuff with, they're going to excited. And shoot, NAIA – I mean, I mess with the NAIA ball guys all the time. They're they're awesome, and we give each other crap because we're the we're the two oddballs in the the college baseball world. I don't think anymore, man. Like I, I that's why I, I like interviewing everybody because people need to understand that every level of baseball is good. And you know, as much as I was on the road recruiting, and as much as I'm out watching games now, there's great baseball at every level. This is the best time for college baseball for coaches. The coaches are are great. The players are great. So, you know, if you're in an area of the country and you have some sort of college baseball within your vicinity, go out and watch a college baseball game. You will be pleasantly surprised with the product that is on the field at any level that you watch it. It's going to be really good baseball, and you're going to have a good time getting out there. As long as it's not 25 degrees, get out there and, and support yeah. your local colleges. We got some really good tournaments, it looks like, this weekend. You know, this is January 28th. So we've got the Tournament of Champions this weekend, and then we've got the CBC Classic. And I know Florida is going on right now as well. They've kicked off, kicked it yeah. off. So we've got some good matchups. And I think I think Southern Nevada and College of Southern Idaho are tangling up on Saturday and Sunday this weekend from what it looked like in one of those. Yeah. I can act. It's going to be – I know talking with all the people down in Texas, it's – I know they're – 
they're really excited about the tournament champions. I've talked to Corey some, and he's like, it's, we're getting it back to what it was. And it was, it was kind of down last year. And then the year before, I can't remember, it wasn't as big. And then, gosh, I think it was the first year I started this. It had teams from Florida come in, teams from Kansas come down. And there was this huge, uh, I don't think it was a big hurricane that went through, but there was some huge storm that, hit Florida, then hit Texas, and they just decided to cancel it. And since then, it hadn't been the same field as even when I was back in school. But this year, I know they were super excited. There's going to be a lot of good baseball. Unfortunately, I know there's no uh, fans on campus or no – except if you're a scout or if you're, like, an advisor or something along those lines. But I know – I'm pretty sure – I know Jack usually streams theirs, and I think – Houston is streaming the games at their park and yeah Chattanooga so State be, I mean I, I, they loved it coach loved at Chattanooga State they they stream it they paid a little bit for the box but that's the neat thing with the internet now is it, it used to just be the D1 games but everybody's streaming their games now and you almost mm-hmm. have to for your parents that can't get there for your fans that can't it just keeps everybody engaged with your program if you can throw your your games out there for everybody to watch and it's fun for me because the one way I'm easier to say, track that way. What, way easier to track. What my day job is, but you know, I can just have my phone up and I'm watching some game somewhere going on. I had a buddy today. He's like, oh, I just wish there was day baseball on right now. Uh, it's Friday. And I was like, Hey, you know, there's like 35 junior college games happening right now. And he goes, Oh my gosh, I forgot. And he, he's a former junior college guy. And I was like, Hey, it's going to be good this year. So any dark horses yeah. out there? Any teams maybe that aren't historically in the mix that might be in the mix this year? There's a couple, and usually me and Brian don't – and it's not a diss to me and Brian. Like, we, we're two completely separate people. But there's a couple of them I was like, hey, I, I'm really liking him, and I think they could come out. And he's like, dude, I'm thinking the same thing. This isn't good. And I'm like, oh. But Georgia Highlands, I really like them. I know they haven't, you know, historically been – the best coming out of Georgia, they always have talent. They always send guys, you know, to the next level. But this year, I mean, unfortunately, their assistant just left, I think, at the break, and he's now at Texas A&M International, I believe. But he, I mean, they got a really good class coming in. Eastern Oklahoma is one that they've been up, but then they always end up getting stuck against the the Crowders and the Jeffersons and the Delgados. So they kind of – and the Seminole State. So they kind of get, you know – a little bit bullied, but I think they're going to be really good this year. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch. There was a couple teams that I was really excited to see actually play, and then unfortunately they canceled their season. I was really, really excited to see what – gosh, I'm going to butcher his name because that's my thing. But uh, Coach Sosi or Sousi at El Paso, I was really excited to see what, what he was putting together in his first, like, full year over there. But they ended up calling their season – um, Blaine, I know, is going to be really good and have, you know, be pretty decent. Galveston is another one that they've had ups, they've had downs. But Bozier Paris is another, I guess that's probably my biggest one that I think is going to be a surprise to a lot of people because they're in the, the San Jack, the Blaine, the Navarro, they're in that kind of tangle of side of texas and they kind of get clumped in and forgotten but they've got a lot of a lot of talent and a lot of i mean they kind of get forgotten in louisiana if you're not lsue for some reason people forget you're over there but it's i think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch 
I know they're playing Wharton this weekend, and I know Trey over there was like, it's going to be fun. Like, this is going to be a little bit better competition than Grayson last week because that was just – they were way better than us. But, yeah, that's a lot of answers to one little short question. But What are some other things that, that <laughs> people should be tracking that are listening in? Um, I don't – as far as, like – What about just, players? What about some players to, to follow? Um, I mean, I know it, with the shortened draft and everything, there was probably some guys that fell through the cracks here that are back that maybe didn't anticipate on being back or, you know, guys that were committed to schools that maybe schools didn't have scholarship money available for guys, so they felt like it was maybe better for them to head back to, to yeah. JUCO. Are there any any storylines we need to track there? There's – I mean, that's like – yeah, I guess the correct answer to that is yes. Yes. But it's, you know, you, you pick your team and then you find a name and chances are there's a ton of COVID guys that are back. There's a ton of uh, transfers that were like, oh, well, I was a freshman and I was going to start my sophomore year, but oh, wait, now everyone's back. And so, like, Christian McGowan at, gosh, another name I probably butchered, but he's at Eastern Oklahoma. He was committed last year, I believe, to Coastal Carolina and then decided August – 13th he's like nope I, I want to go back to eastern Oklahoma and if if anyone's listened to the last episode we did with Brian on our show I, we were talking about I was like I got the text from their coach and I just texted Brian I was like hey McGowan's back and we he was just like uh-oh I think I think we found one of our top ones and it was so he's one I know there's I mean just kind of trickled through all of it there's going to be guys that are in rank the ranking of the players this year was probably a lot harder than ranking the the teams just because any other year you have maybe 10 guys. You're like, okay, these are my top 10. Where am I putting them? We got to the point where it was, okay, we have 57 names we believe should be ranked between 45 and 55. Uh-oh. that That's not okay. We, we're going to have to try and wiggle it out. And it's just – there's – I mean – we look at the guys a little bit different. Not, there's some draft stuff into it, but it's how do we think player A is going to compete at the college level is usually how we go about our player stuff. And there's some carryover, but I like that. There's always. a there's and, a good balance there. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think you have to track the guys that maybe are going to be good drafts, but then you also have to track the guys that are going to perform well and perform well at the level that they're at. And it's not as much projection. It's like this guy is going to do well right now. Um, but also, mm -hmm. you know, PG tracks those guys that maybe their rankings are based more on, on the future performance of guys and what they yeah. see down the road, which I think you have to have both because I think you have to figure out who's going to play well for you now too, who's going to help your team win immediately. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, anybody listening in, you can head over to the, the jbb.net. That's the blog, right? And then... <laughs> yeah. The Twitter handle is, let me pull it up here. It is at underscore the JBB. That is the, mm -hmm. the Twitter handle. So both are, are valuable, valuable resources. I do want to have you on at the midway point here because we're going to get a lot more answers here in the part yes, way it's... here. And that way we'll have a little bit more to see what shakes out. I was going to do it last year, but COVID, March 13th, yeah, COVID ruined everything. I had a really good schedule I... set up. But, you know, what? How was it for you last spring? Was you know, was just, it a gut punch? Kind of. We we had just kind of, you know, 
last year was the first year I brought Chris on, who some people know him as number two, but he's he's a guy that I met because his son was actually the very first ever player of the week I ever did, three, four years, like just happenstance. That's just how it happened. And we were starting stuff rolling and getting it going, and then it kind of hit, and we were like, well, okay, like it, it kind of sucks, but hey, now is the time to kind of – and that's where the, I guess – commitment and the connect i guess the connections came into play where it's hey all these guys now don't have homes or they're trying to find homes and i've me and chris for some reason have built this kind of cool network of coaches from power fives to division threes to naias to division twos and just guys coming to us and trying to be like hey if we can help in any way we can but we're not guaranteeing anything and i mean it got a a lot of like really cool stories that we heard from guys like just I think one of the cool I guess this is kind of an interesting storyline it's one from a guy who's at Iowa Western but in theory so they you know everyone got their senior back last year so in theory he could be a 22 year old red shirt COVID freshman on the field because he like red shirted and then medical red shirted and then got the medical red shirt back and now he's a 21 year old freshman on the field but he could technically still get, and we're just like, dude, you could, you're going to be in college for seven years. But he, I mean, really cool kid. And it's just, you know, like you start talking to people and stuff kind of like that comes up and it was, Hey, I'm just, I like, I mean, you can tell Ryan, I like talking. Well, no, thanks for jumping on with me and I'll get you back here in, in April and we'll see how things are shaking out. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. It was fun. Here with Jordan Schusterman and Jake Mintz uh, at Cespedes Barbecue and then at D3 Baseball Pod. We were just talking off air how weird uh, the whole year has been. We were talking about how bad Skype messed up, not not figuring that this was going to happen. I, the terminology was awesome because it, it was like Skype had a almost a 10-run lead and then coughed it up late. Undefeated in conference play in the regular season and then two in queue in the tournament and just showed up and didn't realize <laughs> they didn't realize that there were better teams out there I just, how do you um, but i think we all learned that at the same time yeah because at this we skyped last year like the, that's what we recorded on and I, it's just amazing how has the year been for you guys i know big league baseball probably held you over a little bit but how has it been for you guys Man, well, I, I can say that the last real baseball game I was at was a D3 baseball game. Uh, so that is that is is my last my last faint memory of being at a baseball game. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's it's been it's been it's been tough for, for everybody. Of course, uh, we've been fortunate to uh, have, of course, been relatively healthy and safe and, and our families have been, too. But, um, you know, of course, having the short and big league season was weird and certainly came with its bumps uh, as our real day job, you know, doing MLB stuff. Um, very glad we had that season and had a what was a very fun postseason. Uh, but but we're itching to get man. I miss college baseball, though. Dude. And, and, and I, as we'll talk about, like, who knows what the season will look like. But I, I'd be lying if I said I was very excited to have college baseball yeah. back in my life. Yeah. Jake, what about you? Same thing. I think like over the last year, in some ways, I've become less enchanted with Major League Baseball as a thing. Um, and in the past, when a baseball fan is like kind of fed up with the top league, you can go and 
watch college ball D D one or D three or whatever. And like that, we didn't have that this year. Right. And so there was no, I watched a lot of the Dominican league, but like there was no other outlet really. And so this is just the best, like this is our favorite stuff. And I just am excited to have the opportunity to think about it again. Well, and it came out hot. I saw the Mo Hanley uh, tweet this week and I actually talked to Aaron Klotz uh, during the virtual convention uh, because he, he works, he, you know, his real job is AstroTurf, and he does coach with Adrian also. But he had mentioned Mo's name during the convention. He was like, "Hey, we got Lefty, who's who's pretty good. He's starting to get some play on the on the scout side." Oh yeah, no, Mo is Mo is someone that we. I remember hearing about his freshman year because he faced my alumni, uh, the College of Worcester in in Florida, and was this is when he was could not throw a strike to save his life, but it was still like, oh, that's a different kind of arm <laughs> in D3. And then to see what he's developed into is, is very exciting. And, and I feel very fortunate. I mean, last year we had a third round pick in Nick Garcia out of Chapman, and that's that's usually only once every three or four years. And to have another potential guy is, is really exciting. When you yeah, got Josh he, Fleming with the Rays then yeah. too. Well, yeah. I mean, that, you know, shout out to Webster there, Coach Courage. Uh, that was awesome. Just the whole, how that all played out as well with Fleming. Absolutely. And I was at Fleming's final college start um, because we were in the same regional and he, his team Webster, they lost, they got no hit uh, in a regional game in his last career start, but he was like 91, 93. And there were scouts there. I was like, that's not the last time I'm going to watch him pitch, but you're right. Like every year in D3, there's a guy, right. Who's kind of the guy you remember from that draft. Who's kind of the consensus like maybe not every coach in the country knows his name, but every coach in the country like has an idea that there's a guy in Michigan at Adrian this year. Last year, there's a kid out in California throwing 95, right? And like you said, this year, Mo Hanley at Adrian is that guy. And Chapman's not playing, right? I mean, that that's one of the other storylines that we have to this season is that we not everybody's going to compete. Um, you know, so that that's another interesting storyline to see what's going to shake out here because not everybody's competing. Well, I think that, that yeah. I think that conference is not a hundred percent canceled. They came out relatively early, I believe, uh, the Skyac uh, in Southern California and said that it was like they weren't going to play. It was unlikely, but we've heard that they're they're walking that back slightly, kind of seeing where cases are at. So they there are some conferences and programs across the country that have a hundred percent already like said we're not. This is there's no base. Like we're not playing. That looked like to be one of the first, but I don't think we would put that on that list right now, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, and as we as we talk here, you know, we're talking on February third. Um, there are conferences in the South and in Texas that are scheduled to get going here in a couple of weeks, and I think they're they're going to be a full go. And I think regionally, it's going to now that would normally be the case anyway, because of course they have the better weather. Um, but I think the Skyac is an interesting case in particular, not only because they are one of the first to, particularly because of the California you know, guidelines possibly not play they have the i guess de facto defending national champion in chapman some other extremely good programs some extremely good talent and most importantly as we'll kind of talk about what the season's going to look like they're not near anybody else and so if you are in a conference in pennsylvania that cancels but your school still allows you to play you might still be able to schedule 40 games without a conference or even other teams in your conference and not have a conference play right but if you're in California and you're and the Skyac gets banged, like 
that's it. You're not going to be traveling. There's no way you're traveling to Texas or you're traveling up to even Washington to play some NWC teams. So uh, they, they are very, in, the, in their own case, almost everybody else uh, across the country, even I think we'll see as conferences decide to play or not, I think a very large majority of teams are still going to try and schedule as many games as possible, whether that's in-conference play or not. Uh, just for student-athlete experience, you got to try to play. And I can't tell anybody what they should do or what universities should do, but if you have an opportunity even to get 10 or 15 games in, let somebody go out there and play. I mean, that's what they're in school for. Right, and, you know, we, we've we gone back and forth, like Jordan and I have, you know, dwelled on the morality of it for a while, and – I think for me, it boils down to a couple of things, which is that number one, these kids want to play and that a lot of the issues that we saw kind of at the top level of college football and college basketball, where there's more of an exploitative model in terms of the finances at play, that does not exist in division three baseball, right? It's not as if these schools are making buckets of money off of these kids. Now, should college students be the ones making the you know public health decisions? Probably not. But if these kids are outside and there's not like you're not staying over in a hotel and they're on campus together anyway, I personally feel more comfortable with that in the grand scope of things that are happening in this country. Yeah, Major uh, League so, Baseball got through. You right. look at travel, uh, travel baseball, it was – they didn't stop this summer with yeah. travel baseball. They were still going. They had fans – you know, and and a tip of the cap to PG and PBR, they they kept going. Um, you know, and and that had a lot to do with with the White House, as each state got to do what they wanted. So, right. it it was open up for some states. And and that variance in state is going to be really important across the board in in what happens here. Um, for instance, it's not just that some of the states and the schools in the South have more lax guidelines that allow them to to do more. If you're looking at states in especially New England, where conferences are spread out across a multitude of states, schools will be restricted from traveling between different states. So if you look at like the Little East Conference in New England, there's a team in Maine, there's a team in New Hampshire, there's a team in Vermont. And going between those states is more of a problem than say, you know, if you're one of the Texas conferences where you never have to leave the state to play your entire conference schedule. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's going to be a huge variance or like Ohio or New Jersey, where it's like, OK, those are really good conferences, the OAC and the NJAC. And so them having a conference only schedule really doesn't change that much of what their normal season and competition level would be versus the teams that rely entirely on who they play in Florida to make up their strength of schedule. That's gone. So if you don't have that and you're not able to travel out of your state, um, then it's going to be really hard to build a resume or so. Yeah. And now, again, the, what the postseason is, is a whole other podcast. Well, and, and, and how does yes. – then what what does D3 do? If not everybody gets to play, do you adjust the regions, how people are seated? Right. Are, are those different storylines that you got to track then, how it's going to change and play out for the postseason? So right now it seems like there will not be a super regional. The D3 went from – uh, a regional to the World Series is how it was for a while. And then I think two years ago or last year, they bumped yeah, we've back only done to the Super. We've only we've done, only done it year. once. Yeah, in 19, so yeah. This year, we're going back to the regional, and the number of teens has been shrunk by uh, 75%. Um, and so what that means is you'll probably have a lower number of at-large bids. However, 
there will be a number of conferences, we think, when it's all said and done, that won't actually end up playing a conference schedule or a conference tournament, which means that those automatic bids are going to be lower, which means that the at-large number is going to be maybe slightly higher than what it looks like right now. Yeah, but again, like knowing those exact numbers and how it's going to shake out, I don't know if we're going to know that before April 1st. At the early well, and I, I do want to do a mid-season report. We'll get close sure, to that should. in Absolutely. April, and that way we can touch base. And I, I think I jinxed us last year because I said it, and then <laughs> March 13th, oh, everything yes, ended. <laughs> so that I'll, I'll take the blame. I'm sorry to the to the whole nation that I jinxed us by talking. Universe, of, yeah, was, I'm yes. sorry. I'm sorry. It was it's that. Just, it was that promising the mid-season review. It's yeah, just that gonna be been. so weird at the end of like when the committee has to compare, like. It's going to be yeah. like apples and couches. Like it's just <laughs> not even in the same ballpark. If you're looking at like a team in the South in Texas, like Concordia, Texas, let's say they don't win their conference tournament. They have 40 games on their schedule when it's all said and done, right? Playing good teams in Texas, good, some good teams in Louisiana and Georgia. And you compare that with like, for instance, let's say like Tufts, right? And then in New England plays like 18 games and like they go 17 and two or, you know, 17 and one. And like, we don't know who they play. Like we're going to, it's hard to do it in a normal year. Yeah. But I, I do not envy that job. Yeah. I, it's going to be really weird. And like, that's why um, I hope that, and listen, I know come May, I'm sure everyone is, no matter what the situation is, there's still going to be kids that are getting their feelings hurt over being in the postseason or not. And I get that. I, I totally understand that. I hope that the goal for everyone is just to play as much baseball safely as possible. I know that I think it seems like a goal for a lot of conferences, especially that are going conference only is at the very least, let's put on a conference schedule and let's have a conference tournament and crown a conference champion. Cause that is something that conferences can essentially control. Right. And that is something that I think is worthwhile for the kids and name whatever conference you did, whether it's the OAC, whether it's the SAA, the whatever, you know, name your conference, right? That is something that I think can be promised and delivered to the student athletes. Yeah, and I just, I mean, <laughs> I just saw where the site's going to move there 24 to 26. They're moving it to Lake County there mm -hmm. with the Indians mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. affiliates. So that's an interesting shakeout here for Division Three. It'll be in City Rapids here for a few more years and then they'll move over to Ohio. Yeah, but I mean, but I, I, and that was exciting. You know, I, I, I vaguely remember hearing that, but, you know, try, trying to think of what, what this 21, 21 postseason is going to look like. It's going to be tough. So like Jake said, the committee is going to be really weird. And the other thing, the last thing I pointed out about this part is we talk about doing a midseason, you know, check-in. But, like, the reality is it's already weird talking about D3 baseball in March because the teams in Texas have played 20 games and the teams in New England have played two. It's like um, Trinity, Trinity's 20 and three and Whitewater's like, you know, one and two. One and two, right. And it's like, how do you rank that? And and and, be, and because of weather, I, I don't, I assume there's no reason for the WIAC to decide anything in February, right? I don't know why they would bother to make any sort of bold claim about what the season could look like right now because they're not going to play anyway. It's 20 degrees. So all of that and how it's all going to catch up to each other and, and at what point the, it, it becomes clear what the postseason going to look like. I, I, my guess is as good as yours, but we're, we're obviously doing our best to track down the information and just, you know, report what we're hearing. And I love that you guys talk about how good D3 is. And you just look at the amount of uh, transfers we'd had, we've had grad transfers going from D3 to D1. There was a lot, you know, you guys put that list out. There was a, a ton of guys that were at D3 last year that grad transferred up to D1. Certainly more than usual. And I think a big part of that is just 
kids having an extra year that they can utilize now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that tremendous piece there. Um, now your, your real job, the Caribbean series is starting this week, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm watching it right now. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching it right now. I'm watching good old five foot nine Andy Otero, very oh my God. pitcher. I gotta say, he is a Panamanian, five foot nine lefty, throwing at top probably eighty five. I mean, this dude would probably have a zero ERA if he pitched in D three tomorrow. Uh, and he's exactly the kind of pitcher he's pitching for the Dominican team against Venezuela. So yeah, that's I'm, the I'm, that's uh, the funniest part about the Caribbean series is that like because of how imbalanced some of the leagues are like it's if you're good enough to play in the dominican the money's better there and it's yeah. a better league to pitch in so like andy otero's panamanian playing in the dominican league pitching against the panamanian team who could like absolutely use andy otero wearing and like he's wearing a jersey that says dominican republic and he's right. from Johan camargo also right Johan camargo it's so funny I, i'm fascinated that, that that so many guys go and play in the winter time um because it, it's not it's not an american culture thing it's their culture i love the fact that they're still going they get done with their their pro seasons and it's like okay i'm gonna go play some more yeah, oh yeah it's it's not and obviously this past year guys need to play more than ever because they didn't get to play a season but but no normally i i agree it is it is amazing that uh, there are these players that that is, play 11 months out of the year. It's it's and I love it. And the comparison, I, honestly, the closest thing that I've seen is college baseball, where like the amount that it means to the players to play for the teams that they have been a part of since they were 17 when they got drafted into, you know, the Dominican entry draft. That's the whole thing. Like Jonathan VR has enough money saved up from a eight-year big league career or whatever to like never play down there again but he wants to play for Aguilas because he loves it like there was he had an Instagram post where he was like my blood type's not a o positive or o negative it's you know Aguilas like it's yellow like we have blood <laughs> it, it, it's a legion baseball feel yeah. it, it really is it, it does have a legion baseball feel because you're you're back you're with your boys people you grew up with and played Absolutely. with all the way through and so it does mean a lot more to those guys which is great mm -hmm. i love it yeah love it. absolutely any final thoughts before i let you two go i mean I, yeah like jordan who's gonna who's gonna win <laughs> who's gonna win the national championship you think oh man it's so hard dude like i gotta say what has been interesting is is doing the intel seeing okay who has six 23 year olds coming back <laughs> because we we're, we're gonna have some team and i know this is true in d1 too but in d3 it's going to be even more exaggerated like we have a very clear history of guys we've seen guys come back for a fifth year because of red shirt or whatever and sometimes those guys put up some pretty crazy seasons and this year there are basically full teams full of 22 and 23 year olds and, and juco i mean you're seeing it first time ever at the juco yeah. level you've got 22 year olds playing junior college baseball this year right exactly and so like that is i just am fascinated about the the the, the competition level and what honestly as cheesy and lame like literally the kind of numbers that some of these yeah. kids are going to be able to put right. up if they get to play full seasons we have a couple sixth year guys there's a yeah. guy at i believe concordia texas mm -hmm. Um, named Brett, guys. Brett yeah. Leiferman, who is yeah. like been an All-American. He was like an All-American like five years ago. Like, you know, he overlapped with me for two years. And yeah. like, I'm a bum already. It's really hard to wrap bringing back. Southern right. Maine's bringing back the whole squad. Um, and who bring, which schools bring guys back is really going to dictate a lot of it. 
And the other thing is which schools are able to bring in D1 transfers. So, like, if you took a look at, like, Hopkins's roster, there's a Maryland transfer, Dai Dai Otaka from Yale. I'm interviewing Dai Dai here because he, he's an up-and-coming infield yeah. guy. So I've got him on here coming up fairly soon. I, I love the fact that he he's all in as a player, but he's, like, setting himself up to be a great coach here soon. Okay, so this is the thing. He tweeted out, like, oh, I'm headed to join, like, Hopkins and I was like oh that's a great hire yeah. and like I thought he was going to be on the staff and I didn't realize he was gonna keep playing as a fifth year until like three weeks ago when he was on the roster and I was like oh like he's immediately the best defensive shortstop in all of D3 baseball yeah he, he came <laughs> to the Nashville convention as a player like I was so impressed I met him at the infield hot stove and he introduced himself and I'm like okay this is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen this kid's still playing yeah. and he's at our convention so, yeah, and by that, the way, by I would the say way, Hopkins, keep an eye out of Hopkins. Yeah, sure. uh, Hopkins for sure has a bunch of traders. And by the way, uh, Dino Otaka will also probably one of the be a, one of the best hitters in D3, also, even if he was hitting, you know, 220 in the Ivy League. Don't be surprised if he has a nice yeah. offensive season at Bob Babb Field. Last guy I want to shout out before we go uh, Brett Williams at Penn State Harrisburg, back for his fifth year, was probably the best player in the country as a junior in 2019. And I mean, it could be. A fact, we are going to see some, some crazy, crazy numbers uh, this year, folks. And uh, that alone is, is okay. But, but again, I mean, my last thought is just like, I hope ever, I hope as many players can play safely and as many games uh, as possible. And um, I know right now we're still in a very frustrating time where there's a very, not a lot of information and conferences some conferences are being more decisive than others. Uh, it's still early. It's still, there's still a foot of snow outside. We got time. Let's figure this out safely. And, uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we can play safe. Although I listen, I'm excited to watch some of these Texas games. I'm not going to lie. Absolutely. <laughs> Jordan, great point. None of you Northern schools, like what's happening. You don't play now anyway. Like you're not <laughs> playing games in right. February anyway. So it's right. fine. Right. So let's be patient. All right. You too. Always a pleasure. Thank you, man. This was a lot of fun. Here with Nick Hertford, uh, PG Small College Specialist. I love the the name. It's at PG College Ball. But Nick, thanks again for jumping on with me. Yeah, no problem. Um, man, it seems like forever since we talked last year, and, and a lot obviously has changed. Uh, but I appreciate all the hard work that you're putting in. The website's great, and I uh, just came out with all the, the previews here, so I'm excited to dive in with you. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, and um, just looking, we'll go D3 first. Uh, I did talk to uh, Jordan um, Schusterman and Jake Mintz, sure. and um, they talked a little bit, but I think everybody's in a very similar situation right now because of, of last spring and how everything was cut short. Um, how was, you know, from a D3 and D2 standpoint, how was it for you last spring just in those, you know, that first month of the season? I mean, I, last month until things got canceled, you know, was business as usual. But obviously, it made things very unpredictable and tricky and just weird this year, forecasting things. Um, I mean, there was, especially like in D3 teams, there were schools that we have in the top 25 that didn't even play a single game last year. Yeah. So it's, how do you, it's, and D3 is also, you know, it's kind of weird because, I mean, the guys don't seem to stick around as much. You know, if you're a senior, 
at a D3 team, there's a lot of them where they would have to go on to another school because they didn't have that major or something like that. But in all the years that I've done, and I don't know, I'll just, I'll just say like 10 years of doing rankings of various sorts through all the different levels, I think this year in D3 in particular has been the most difficult just because I, you don't know what to use as your baseline because you can't really look at last year. Yeah, and, and just going through it here, you know, Webster's one, Southern Maine, uh, Randolph-Macon, uh, Whitewater, Cal Lutheran, North Central, Concordia, Cortland State, Trinity, Adrian, Texas Lutheran, Chapman, Johns Hopkins, Shenandoah, Salisbury, Washington Bears, Keene, UMass Boston, Rowan, Spalding, Babson, Heidelberg, Concordia University in Chicago, Tufts, and then Christopher Newport. It's a really good balanced uh, I love the poll because it's balanced with teams from all over the United States. Yeah, I mean, you know, traditionally you're going to see, you know, teams from California, like Cal Lutheran and Chapman, obviously being, um, you know, powerful. And Texas always has good, you know, Trinity and Texas Lutheran um, are always competitors too. But yeah, and that's the thing about D3 is that you have these strongholds in California and Texas, but the overwhelming majority of them are in the north, you know, the northeast, and then working your way down the coast. Um, and really none in the middle, like I'm in Nebraska and I don't, there's nothing around here. You know, Nebraska, South Dakotas, Iowa, Kansas, there's not really anything in the Midwest. So. And, and you've got Webster one and I know, you know, the eight and five Which I guess they're in Midwest. start last year. And I do know coach Kurich well, did they, ha they've got a lot back then off their squad from last year. Yeah. So, I mean, and that was, you know, how I said it was really difficult. I mean, on paper, to me, that seems like, especially on offense, an extremely phenomenal team. And then one of their pitchers, I think, is our second highest rated D3 uh, prospect as well. So there's good pitching. But, you know, you look at last year's results, the eight and five start. Um, and I, you just got to think that that was just something kind of goofy going on. And well, no, you I, never I know, know how, where they've got to go early, too. That That's part yeah. of it, the travel, yeah. you know, especially with the Midwest squads. And they do have turf where they play, but you're still in that part of the world where early in the year you may not be able to play and have to travel. And I know they do – they go all over the place. Yeah, so that's kind of – that's basically what I chopped it up to is – I mean, yeah, I still would have liked this. I would, I would be more confident if they didn't know better than that. But I think still overall, I, I just think that – it was just an atypical result there. So I anticipate them being strong. Yeah, and just a lot of interesting storylines just with with everybody's got people back probably that they didn't expect. Um, and we're going to know a lot more here as we get into April and May and how things are shaking out and who's actually even getting to play as well. Those are – there's some really, really intriguing storylines with that. And, um, you know, again, I appreciate all the hard work. But just getting on to Division two here um, – and I'll, I'll read through the top 25 also. And I, I haven't even looked. I know NAI started. I think Division Two is getting ready to start. Do we have any Division Two Correct. programs that are, are rolling yet? Uh, to be honest, I, we, I've done so much these last couple weeks, finishing them up, that I, I've really turned off. Because, you know, I, I don't put too much stock in the first week, yes. the first couple weeks anyway. So, um, yeah, so... I don't think they've started yet. I I should, I should know that. No, I, 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 well, I'm with you. I'm like that's why I asked. Vegetative mode. 
The only one I know that is getting ready to go is Lenore Ryan, um, just because a former assistant of mine, uh, Matt Risden, is, is at Lenore, which is right down the road from us here in Greensboro, and then Chris Ramirez is their head coach that I go way back with. But I, I know everybody's getting close, and just looking at the top yeah. 25 that you've got, it's Angelo State, Central Missouri, Colorado Mesa, Tampa, North Greenville, Mount Olive, Catawba, Augustana, Columbus State. Minnesota State, Georgia College, West Texas A&M, North Georgia, Southern Arkansas, Delta State, Sousa Pacific, Texas, Tyler, Ashland, Nova Southeastern, East Stroudsburg, Newberry, UNC Pembroke, Wingate, Millersville, and Davenport. And that's how I know that Lenore's getting ready to start because I think they play Catawba here in the next couple weeks, which will be a really good matchup, and they're close. I I, I didn't realize how close Catawba and Lenore are t- next to each other, so that's going to be a really good early season matchup between those two. Yeah, and Catawba's one of the few teams that actually lost one of their best players. Um, I can't – geez, I should know. Again, I, the overwhelming majority of teams that you'll see in the top 25 – are the same as last year. Yep. Um, Which should be. I mean, there there's really no season to play any of it out, so you just got to assume that almost everybody's probably got a majority of their team back. So it's probably that's probably a good place to start, honestly, with the top 25 is where teams finished last year because you just assume that, that everybody's got everybody back. Yes. So, yeah, it was a blessing and a curse, kind of. <laughs> you know what I mean? You you guys have all been in the same boat. Um, it didn't matter. Division one all, all the way down to JUCO. It was not an enviable position this year to try to put everything together just because you have – you have so many more roster spots. You know, there's so many more guys on rosters now. And so how all that shakes out, teams are a year older. And, um, you know, that that's the, the biggest storyline for me is just to see how everybody handles the more people that they have on the roster right now and how they handle the injuries. Because with lack of playing time for a lot of kids right now, how much were, was anybody able to train this fall as well? Because some schools probably had a full fall, but some schools didn't. So what type of shape guys are in? Yeah, I think absolutely. you already saw um, one of Oklahoma's best freshmen just got hurt. And you're probably going to, you know, knock on wood, hopefully it doesn't happen anymore. But you just assume after the big league season and the amount of guys that got hurt in on big league rosters that it's probably going to be the same thing for the college teams also. Yeah, I mean, because that's another thing where ge- geographically it's going to be weird. Um, and, and I couldn't go into all, you know, basically I didn't go and talk to every single coach and figure out what the what the, what the government is allowing, people, you know, kids yes. to do and stuff like that. Because, it, because it, you know, it varies. Somebody, you know, Texas and California could probably could be, um, couldn't be more different in, you know, how lax they are in letting athletes come onto the diamond. Yeah, and it's... Um... It was interesting this fall going out because I was at a bunch of different places and every school that I was at was handling it completely different. And then any phone conversation that I had, any school that I talked to or coach that I talked to, it was completely different. So um, you would assume that the spring is going to be the same thing here with protocols and, and who's able to do what and who's even testing. You know, there's just so many different protocols for the schools. Yeah. And, you know, and talking along those kind of lines, there's, I mean, one of the top D2 schools, NYIT, they completely have canceled their baseball program for two years, Yep. you know, because of COVID. So that just shows you how, you know, how weird it is. 
Well, any other intriguing storylines we need to track here right in the beginning of the season? Um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, this year it's really it's I don't see it as a, a separate year from last year. It's just more of a, a continuation. I love it. So I anticipate a lot of the teams which were good last year to basically keep on trucking, especially in, in the D2 level because you don't see a lot of turnover. So Angelo State, which I think has been has been one of the terrific teams the last couple seasons. Yeah, you were really high on them last uh, and, and year, also. And they they continued to just you know they blew the doors off the competition in the limited time that they had last year. Um, Josh Elver was had a th- his slugging percentage with a, was a thousand. You know, not as on base plus slugging. <laughs> just his slugging alone was a thousand. That's Barry so Bonds in, territory. Yeah, so he's another year older. You know, another year stronger. So I, I would anticipate seeing a lot of this stuff. Um, continue on um you know central missouri another team which was just blistering the ball and one of and now is even without one of their best players putting up his best numbers so um it's it, it's going to be really interesting to see how things go down well i'll have to stay in touch with you because i am going to see get out and see some division two games this is a very good area for division two baseball so i'm i'm lucky here with what we have close so I'll I'll reach out to you once uh, once I get some eyes on it. I I yeah, think tradi- I'm gonna go watch Lenora and Catawba here in a couple weeks. So just to get some yeah, eyes traditionally, on traditionally traditionally the a lot of the Minnesota teams will come down and play here in Omaha because we have a lot of turf fields. Uh, yes. I don't know if that's gonna happen this year. So we'll see. My exposure is probably gonna be extremely limited. Well, that's um, all right. Here to he- here to help in person, but anymore you can watch so much stuff over the internet. So. How are things going with Brian? You, it looks like you guys are kind of piggybacking everything with, with the rankings. I'm sorry? Brian Sikowski, it seems like you guys are kind of piggybacking oh. everything. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he does a really good job on doing all the prospect stuff. Um, it, it's, it's, it's interesting how the two worlds which are intertwined are, are completely different. You know, when you talk, you talk about how, the like, for example, D2 level production as opposed to the prospects like Josh Elber, who I mentioned before, I don't think there's going to be any questions going to put up phenomenal numbers, but for whatever reason, he doesn't seem to translate into taking his game to the next level. He's just not listed as one of the top prospects. Yeah. To me, that's, that's always blown my mind, but the thing is it always seems not to jinx him, and I don't want to, but it really seems to actually play out that way. When you see guys put up big numbers, unfortunately they seem to plateau yeah, and, and that's why scouts are really good at what they do, and this is really tough. Um, you run into it every year with players that put up great numbers, and then they're sitting there after the draft scratching their heads, and especially with the limited drafts now, the rounds. But some guys just aren't meant to move on to the next level. That's just that's just not how things work. And, and there might be somebody that a scout sees that maybe doesn't have great numbers, but they see something from a projection standpoint – and you look up and they're playing in the big leagues in, in five years and you're like, well, that guy wasn't very good at that point. Well, it's just he hasn't reached a ceiling yet. And that's just the that's the tricky thing with scouting and, and development yeah. pieces. Some kids are tapped out, so they're gonna dominate. It's like that kid that's overdeveloped in Little League. He's gonna he's gonna dominate that level, but then once he gets to high school, he may not, not even be on his high school team. Yeah, it's crazy. I was I- I was just Jackie Bradley Jr. as an example in my head. I yes. think the year when they won the series, well, they won it a couple of times, but I think he batted like 259 or something like that, you know, and everyone's buzzing about him. You're like, how, how is this going to be, you know, the next guy moving on? Yeah, exactly. And now, you know, the exactly. star center fielder for the Boston Red Sox. So. Cool. Well, Nick, any final thoughts before I let you go? 
No, um, like, let's just see what happens. Yeah, for sure. I'm just excited we have baseball. I know. I'm trying to be optimistic that things don't go sideways. It's... (laughs) Let's keep our fingers crossed here. Yeah, absolutely. But then I'll, I'll circle back around with you here right before the, the playoffs start, and we'll see how things are shaking out. All right. Sounds good. All right, Nick. Thanks. Huge thanks to all of our college baseball sports writers. They're a huge reason why the college game is the best it's ever been. Get out there and support all your local colleges here this season. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Zach Hale, and Matt West in the ABCA office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter at CoachB underscore ABCA, Instagram at RyanBrownlee17, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. Oh